Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. All right. Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome back to chapter 21 of Octavia's Parables. And we took last week off because we wanted to make sure we landed in current time because everything has been changing so much. And we wanted to make sure that the show that we bring you is a show of victory, (laughs) Um, a show of the current time. So uh, before we hop into the content of this show, a few announcements. One is there is a new book that has just come out that is absolutely a gorgeous piece of scholarship around Octavia Butler's writing practice and creative practice called A Handful of Earth, A Handful of Sky by Linnell George. And it was written um, in honor and relationship and scholarship of the papers at the Huntington Library. And it's beautiful. It really is like an interactive book where you are looking at how Octavia created and then also getting to play with and interact with and generate your own creative process. So I wanted to uplift that. We wanted to uplift that book. It's available um, wherever books are sold and it's gorgeous. Also wanted to uplift the book Undrowned, the project Undrowned by Alexis Pauline Gums which officially comes out um, on November 17th, but mm, a lot of people already have it in their hands. And I do this. I know. Well, I was going to say this is a very particular kind of magic that I just wanted to uplift, like what happens when you're on the right path, things like this happen. So both Toshi and I separately, without knowing it, reached out to collaborate with Alexis Pauline Gums around this project, Undrowned. And... One of the project's uh, collaborations is the book because the project started on in Alexis's heart and mind and scholarship. And then it showed up on Instagram as images of these marine mammals with these gorgeous long posts. And I reached out to her at that point, like, can we publish this um, as part of the Emergent Strategy Series? And then Toshi separately, did you reach out? Did she reach out? How did that happen? Oh, no. I was like, I... I want I want to hear you read these. Yes. <laughs> Can I put music on Beautiful. with it? Beautiful. Yeah. So Yes. So we both were like so moved by this project that we reached out and we're like, we want it to come in. So y'all, is there gonna be an album coming out? Like how how will we get to hear the undrowned? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna release each one of these meditations one at a time and then eventually there'll be a full thing. And when they're initially released, there's a way for people to to hear them for free. And then they'll be also on a format, like if you want to support the work, you can. And uh, and we waited. We won. It's a lot going on. So we're like, let's this book come out. But this month we'll release the first one. Um, So it feels like a warm company with the book. Oh, okay. This is thrilling. I love it. Final announcement I have for today is just introducing one more of the Octavia Butler Tarot Deck team. Um, And today I want to introduce you to Chelsea Cleveland. Chelsea Cleveland is a Black organizer um, who has been based in Connecticut. 
and doing um, work, particularly with young people there, incredible imaginatory work. Um, and I got to come in contact with them through Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity, where I learned that they were a skilled tarot oracle and um, really worked with both tarot decks and oracle decks to give incredible readings. So Chelsea is one of the three oracles that is shaping this deck. And it's mm. exciting. The whole team is exciting. We are about to drop a flyer that is going to be very beautiful <laughs> um, so that mm. people can start to get to know the team. But it's all each day becoming more and more real. So exciting. Um, Toshi, did you have anything to add? Any other announcements from the greater Octavia world? Yeah, I would love to big up that the uh, post-election show that we did on uh, November 4th which was really amazing to do live. And thank you, everybody who tuned in for that. Um, it's still up on Joe's Pub's uh, YouTube page. Um, you can just click on the page and look for me and uh, and watch it. Uh, and it features uh, Carl Hancock Rux and Morley, Taina Asili, Michelle Dorrance, plus uh, Big Lovely. It's really, really fun to do. and um, But it's still there until like kind of the middle of December. So check it out. I love that. And I just want everyone to know that my new favorite song of all time is inside <laughs> that performance. And I literally, I want you to know, Toshi, that I'm really walking around all the time like, what you gonna do? <laughs> Sing. When you've done your best. Every day I'm just walking around. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, I've just got to do my best. Like, and then no one's going to see it but me. And I'm just going to keep doing it. You know, like, so I just want to invite people to go get the wisdom of that song, Done Your Best, and the rest of it. You are such a gift live. Um, it's Aww. such a gift to get to see you dancing and playing. I mean, it really is like watching, like, a family of whales frolic or something. Like, there's just so much, like, bombastic <laughs> energy in it. So, yay. Yes. And now here we are in Chapter 21. Will you bring us into the earth seed of this chapter? Oh, my God. Uh, the self must create its own reasons for being. To shape God, shape self. Earth seed, the books of the living, Monday, August the 30th, 2027. Mm, beautiful. I feel like I feel like that's so right on time. It's so right on time. <laughs> like this is it. Shape self. Shape self. Shape yeah. self. Shape self. Yes. And yeah. Where are our where are our protagonists in this moment? Um, they're in a good place. Um, you know, if any place could be a good place, they are in it right now. Um, they are at the San Luis Reservoir. Um, there is still water there. Um, it's the most fresh water that Lauren has ever seen. Mm-hmm. They were able to find a, a safe spot um, to to camp. There are lots of people. They notice there's people with permanent um, structures, rag and plastic tents. Some people have bought uh, have made wooden shacks, you know. But it's it's really interesting. Lauren says, "Where is everybody going to the bathroom?" Mm. And she kind of looks at this fresh water and says, "Like, what are people doing about that?" Uh, there's just an article at, in The Guardian that I read about uh, the Brexit issue uh-huh. and how long it will make trucks wait to pass through a certain place 
so that truckers will stay on lines for like hours. Oh, wow. And they're like, you know, where are they going to the bathroom? Because there's already a problem with people going to the truckers, going to the bathroom and then leaving their what they go to the bathroom yep. with, like on the sides of the road. Ugh. So this would make it worse. Ugh. And in our modern times, <laughs> the politicians around this are having a hard time understanding what care is and that yeah. they should build like structures for people to, to get clean and take showers because they're going to make them wait yes. for hours. Yeah. So very interesting. <laughs> this was like to read this and I was like, oh, oh wow. Yes. This is this is uh, Octavia. I thought the kind of Octavia of, questions. Yes. <laughs> so they're they're out there. Um, they find a lot of people ha- are armed, um, especially men in particular. So they notice that they they have these two um, little children with them, and they think that having the kids is really helping them navigate moving um, amongst these strangers. Um, so they, they find where they're going to be and they make a camp and they kind of make their rules. Nobody go get water by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still very much in their practice of watching. They take note that Ali and Natividad have both been caring for children and so that they don't do a watch. Um, just like a lot of really okay. very considerate and thoughtful thinking. They take their time to find their camp. They they do a lot of work that helps them later. That's what I That's should great. say. Like That's instead great. of the the most urgent work you can do, they do the work that will support them uh, later if they need to. Yeah. And I love the way this is like, this shows us, you know, we start to really see how Octavia builds values into the infrastructure of her groups. Like, so she's like, this is something that matters. Like how care is valued matters. And I'm going to just weave it right into how I'm telling you this story, like what the value, the values of Earthseed look like in practice. So I love that we're beginning to see a community that Lauren is shaping here. Yes, yeah. it's so true. I, it is. It's it, it's incredible how much being kind serves you. Yes, in the worst situations, yep. kind and considerate. Yeah, and thoughtful. Yeah, like it. It really serves you so well, and and when you see how decisions aren't made with those elements it, we 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 don't do so well yes lauren the other thing about this uh this area is is when lauren really finally gets to talk to van coley mm. they're sorry yeah, they're, <laughs> i swim so hard for their yeah. connection yes yes and we should have a beat going on it's a love story yes yes so they they finally get to to sit down and like really say who they are. And, um, and she's, she's talking about how it's easier to work next to somebody and, and kind of be with them when you know that that sensual energy is hanging between the two of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that very mm-hmm. much. And um, so they, so basically she starts with Earthseed because Basically, I guess she's not going to be kicking it with nobody that don't have a good response to Ursi. I love it. She says it's the most important thing in her life. Yeah. And she needs to know what he thinks about it. I love that. I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before any he can get it, like anybody can get it, 
they need to deal with Ursi yep. um, and Lauren, Lauren Alamina. So they have that conversation. And in having that conversation, we learn about Ben Coley's life. We learn about that he's not very interested in religion, mm-hmm. um, but his wife, his wife very much was. Uh, they went to Methodist church and like Lauren, who was Baptist, but couldn't really buy into the belief system. They both, I think, found reasons to like something about them, but that it wasn't their hearts. Um, And she really talks a lot about Ursi to him and they go back and forth a little bit. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not quite like, yay, that (laughs) sounds amazing. He's almost like, what do you think he was like? Uh, he's I, I love it because he's kind of like, it sounds too simple. Like, it, it sounds too yeah. simple, right? Like, you know, it, it and it doesn't have, you know, it's very logical. It's like simple in a logical way. Like, here's the logic of, of this, this destiny. And I think he's like, but where's the mystical aspect of it? Like, if this is supposed mm-hmm. to be something that people are going to follow and have faith in, where's that mystical peace um what that people can have faith yes. in and i would say you know my long-term view on this is that bancoli represents some of the doubts that octavia had in in what she had created it was her way of working mm-hmm. out those doubts um because she has said that in interviews too like there's not enough faith here there's not enough hopefulness for people mm-hmm. to practice this and i i hear some of that in bancoli is like i mean you know he's not like it's wrong it's just sort of like <laughs> you know but why would people do this necessarily and but he stays yeah. present with her in the conversation in a way that I think she feels respected in yes you know and when she has to break it down you know shape God with forethought and care yes because he's like what do you have to do yes you know and when she starts talking about fulfillment of the, I always want to sing that fulfillment of destiny because that's what Helga sings in yes. the show we can sing it. And uh, <laughs> we get Helga on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what a unifying, purposeful life on earth. Yes. And it's it's interesting to, to think that it's simple, but when you realize how much we have not been able to do that as humans, then you realize, nah, there's probably a lot of complexity yeah. in, within this. Yeah, and I think it's also very complex, you know, I tend to romanticize now from my current framework that I'm like, we live amongst the stars. We have to take root here. But, you know, she really was talking about colonizing outer space. And and that's a very like, (laughs) you know, for for someone to be 18 years old on a road with zero real resources beyond what she has on her back and the people she's walking with to hold that the destiny of the species is to leave the planet, you know, there's there's nothing simple actually about that. Um, no, but I do think it, you know sitting down with someone trying to share something that big, I, I love to imagine the conversation and then for them as they're sharing that to also be realizing there's actually a ton of parallel between how they got to this moment, you know, um, how they lost community because you know I think she was like, did your wife just die? Like, did your wife? Right. You know, just, and he's like, no, she's been gone for five years, actually. But my community was, you know, basically the walls were broken down by scavengers and we had to run. And so they both, you know, are the prepared people 
who, when they had to run, they had what they needed in order to do that. And, you know, yeah, they just start having a different kind of conversation that lets them see, like, they both know what it's looked like to have to go. And then I always get excited or imagine the excitement of when she understands who Ben Coley is, like what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That, you know, I mean, there's such an amazing thing there because one was to get a window into another community that was functioning. Yes. You know, um, he wasn't a Methodist, but her church community took care of him after she, she was killed. And he, he said he should have left a long time ago. He's in San Diego. Yeah. So he should have left a long time ago. Um, and he didn't, and partly was about the care and love he received in that community and wanting to, you know, to stay and support. Yep. And then he had to, you know, run for his life, but he was prepared mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. I think about where we are now, because this would be the area of leaving ahead of time. We're starting to be in yeah. that area. I always say, where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just, it's so right before we recorded this, I was doing a different recording project with a friend of mine who, um, when the pandemic started, left for Amsterdam and was like, I see this as the moment to leave and I'm going to take my family and we're going to go be safe in Amsterdam. And we mm-hmm. trust that there will be a better response to the pandemic there than under this administration. And it was so fascinating to me to see that thought process and then being willing to move your whole family behind the thought process for me the question is so it's like where where can you go that's outside of the impact of empire you know when we need Mm -hmm. to actually um deconstruct empire but also for me the question is always how you know like i feel very bound to the relationships i have with people who are here who will not leave or cannot leave and you know, right. for Lauren and Bancoli, that's that's the thing that they have in common is they have lost everyone else. Um, yes. There's nothing to wait for. It's they've lost yeah. everyone. Yeah. yeah. And that's when they leave. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. like they don't leave before that moment. And yeah. I definitely, you know, I definitely think about this idea of of leaving. I just keep thinking I'm going to find the same humans everywhere. Yes. And I'm going to find the same web everywhere. And just where is the place I can go that I can do the most good? And how can I do it? And I think like when you're, you know, we just had the election. So, mm-hmm. and we, we're inside of a, a place of struggle that's very familiar to the political struggles that are in this book, where people who have no sense of community no sense of responsibility, who are really running the government in terms of their own independent views and and needs, as opposed to like, no, you're responsible for all of these people and they are paying into a pot so that you can afford to distribute the funds in a way. And we have some basic elements that we think build an infrastructure of living, which includes, you know, access to fresh water, access Mm. to shelter, access to food, access to education, access to access. Mm. And, and we're doing all of that and expecting that you will take care of it. Exactly. And when we get into these situations where that doesn't happen and it's, and it gets bigger and bigger, which is what has happened to us. 
um, we are in really big danger zone, even though uh, we turned a little corner. Yes. There's people who are elected into office who are responsible for, we're somewhere like 330, 331 million people in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm. And about 140, 150 of those, million of those voted in this election, which is like the Mm -hmm. highest turnout we've had in a very long time, but also still only about half the people here, right? Um, Which I think is such a, to me, such a measure of brokenness of, of, of how our systems work. And folks are like, I'm not going to show up if I don't get results. And I think there's something really sophisticated unfolding right now mm-hmm. where, you know, people were really willing to see like, oh, this was an authoritarian, fascist, narcissist person who's not actually tied to a politic and thus not organizable. And That's, you know, like 45 is not someone who can be organized because he doesn't have an organizing principle outside of himself um, and his family to influence. And uh, so I feel like a lot of people are able to make the politically sophisticated choice to move him out of office and put in people who who are more organizable um, so that we can create better conditions for the baseline experience of life as we continue to move towards like what is beyond these constructs and limitations. And Mm. I feel like Lauren to me is always a great example of like, if we don't, if we don't push back and hold at bay and contain um, the, the sort of wild greed element, of someone like a 45 who's willing to deploy racism and patriarchy and toxicity in the name of advancing his storyline. If we don't intervene and hold that at bay, then you end up in the situation that Lauren and Bancoli are in where everything has completely broken down and right. like trying to dream is, Oh, we're trying to dream in, in relationship to total chaos um, as opposed to trying to dream you know, which may still be what happens. Like, I think even right. with our best effort, we have a climate crisis, a climate catastrophe unfolding that will only get um, significantly worse for the next several decades. Even if we were to turn yeah. around and go a thousand percent in the other direction, we still have, we have consequences to face. We have consequences to face for what has been unleashed in terms of white supremacy and toxic patriarchy. There's a lot, there's millions of people who are willing to vote for a future led by those hateful systems. So we're, we're in it. We've got a lot of work to do. And, you know, we, we seem to have removed one of the great barriers, one of the enemies And I'm grateful to you because I feel like your analysis has helped me to really understand how to be sophisticated in participating Mm. in in this kind of complex moment. Thank you so much. It is really complex. I mean, I I try to convince one of my friends and I was like, because my friend hates when somebody tells them what to do. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, why are you being mad at me? This person... This, this person just told you that your vote doesn't matter and you don't matter. Yes. And even if even if you do win, they're not going anywhere. And I was like, isn't, doesn't that 
piss you off more than anything like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's worse than and me. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was like, and you're paying his salary. You're paying. I was like, what other circumstance would you pay somebody to tell you to your face you don't deserve to live and to systemically take from you every single thing that you need to exist in the world? Like, what What were you know? To be down with the with it on multiple layers, to think of yourself as having, you know, sets of wings on your back yes. that are good at different things. So this voting thing and is not a solution. Uh, it's not even a binding solution because you can tell we're they still haven't conceded. So this is how how shady these people are. Yep. Um, and we will be in battle the whole time, and we have to keep electing administrations that are going to fall short yes. to pay, to try to eliminate, you know, ad- administrations that will, will keep, you know, changing the very fabric of some of the things where like, no, actually that, that does work. And we need to keep that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just the individualness of human beings. And I think Octavia is one of the greatest of like kind of planting a landscape of the individualness of human beings. Yes. I, she, you just keep running into people yeah. and you're, like, and you're like, you know, I love this group. It's, it's not a lot of talk about love and like do agreement on all the things. It's almost like we about to go up this road yes. and we have these few rules and will you agree to these? And yes. I don't actually need your love in order for us to like operate together. Yeah. And I don't even need you to sign on to the whole religion, you know, which that always feels so important to me. It changed the way I facilitated reading this work. It changed the way I facilitated because I was like, Oh, like we've been trying to get too much, too much alignment on the front end before people actually know each other and have had time to study Mm -hmm. and find what they believe in together. And instead, can we start off in a good way? And can we take steps together and see if we can maintain a good way and then let the relationships unfold into shared study, shared analysis, and then shared project development. And it's a shift because I used to do so mm-hmm. much on the front end, like, what do you value? What do you believe? Here's three pages of agreements. We will do all these things. And and then it would never quite work out that way because it didn't account right. for like humans being human. And instead, if you let humans human, um, so much emerges from their being together. And, mm. you know, Lauren and Bancole, like Lauren is already such a compelling force. You know, these people are drawn really to something in her, foundationally in her. Um, she is this compelling force. And Bancole is compelled by her, towards her, as yes. someone who could survive on his own, is a doctor, has skills, has you know, a place that he's trying to get to, but he feels really compelled by what this, what this leader visionary person is sort of quietly, but steadily offering. And I love the way, you know, it's sort of like he floats around and floats around and finally lands like a bee on the flower and slowly Mm. sips, you know, like, what is the honey? What is the pollen? What is the sweetness of this flower? What is here? And, and then they move into romance, they move into seduction. And um, it really does feel that way of like, two 
really different but free beings finding each other um, in these conditions. And then he jumps off and says, "You're 18 years old." Oh yes, afterwards, because I think that I think they they <laughs> kiss. I think they actually make love first, and then he asks. No, they do. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "By the way, they know they get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get it." And he's shocked, yeah. like he's horrified. Which I always love that too, because you know, I my suspicion is always like, "Oh, she mu- Lauren must appear and seem and feel older than she is because she's so confident and she knows so much." But that's such a confirmation of it, <laughs> you know, because he's like, yeah. I'm shocked. And I'm like, yeah, he thought yeah. she was older. And I love that she's the one who's like, yes, but it doesn't matter to me. Like, that would not be a reason for us to split up. We actually, there's something good here. And I'd like for us to continue to explore it. Um, mm. And, you know, that she she knows herself and it's a consensual relationship of, yeah, you know, of people who are wildly different in age, but also of age. Yes. And she, um, and it's very interesting because as they are revealing their lives to each other, she realized that he's lied to her mm-hmm. and <laughs> she's like, you know, I already want him with by me all the time. And he's already told me one lie. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, but why should he tell me everything? Yeah. Um, it's all of these things are happening, but it's 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 like this level of awareness, but it's also not a no. Exactly. And, you know, I think that piece around the lying is so interesting because it's for her that landing around like, well, what truth is something that I have found useful, but lying might be what he has found useful for survival. It might be what's necessary for his survival. Um, I also love that we get to experience the good part of hyper empathy in their lovemaking that she gets to experience mm-hmm. like what she's experiencing, what he's experiencing. And this is one of the, the, my favorite aspects of the science fiction of this part of the story is whenever Lauren gets to have sex, it's just like a, you know, um, a multitude of pleasures in her. And I'm like, she yes. deserves all the good things. She does. Uh-huh. So we get one more night with them. They're like resting. She's resting. She's talking, writing, reading, and having sex with Boncole. <laughs> it's like how she's spending her time. <laughs> and um, she gives a reading and writing lesson to the women in the group. And they sit and discuss Earthseed. So, you know, there's a gun battle in the distance. They can hear the violence. And Lauren is reflecting on like how she's, they are resting and learning, even with that violence not far away. And I love that awareness. That's like, you are actually mm-hmm. building something new. You're beginning a community. You're seeding a new set of practices. And yes, the world is there continuing as it does, but there you are building something new. And Beautiful. Oh, my other favorite thing in this chapter is, you know, Bancoli is pushing her about the mystical nature. Of, mm-hmm. You know, he's like, it needs more mysticism. And she's like, oh, I'll leave that to my descendants. <laughs> uh-huh. Snap, snap. Uh-huh. Which I just, every time I read that, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> she's like, my thing is going to last. And yeah. I see my, you know, like she just sees herself in the future in so many tangible ways. And that that's one of my favorites. Seeing yourself in a future. Mm. Yeah, it's so good. So I have questions. I has questions. Um, 
the first two are just related to that water experience they have um, when they are at the San Luis Reservoir, um, which is where is the fresh water closest to you? Do you know where fresh water is near mm-hmm. you? And what's the largest body of fresh water you've ever seen? Just reflecting on what is your relationship to the fresh water? I live in Detroit, so I'm right in between basically 21, 22% of the fresh water on earth. <laughs> so I'm like a fresh water hoe um, and love it, but really getting familiar with that. The second question I had is, what is the most important thing in your life? And do you begin new connections with that? Mm. Yeah. Which so. I want to know that for you, Toshi. Do you know, like, would, could you say, like, this is the most important thing in my life that, like, if I was sitting down with Bancoli for the first time, he'd need to know? <laughs> wow. That's so interesting. Mm. You know, because... um you know, all my, a lot of my transportation is music. Like music is, is yes. it's like the job that I've had. But yeah, the probably the most important thing is I don't even know what the name of it is, but it's that we get to be where we are and who we are, and that um, we're not at risk for it. Yeah, I, like I, I just. That. You know, so I'm, I'm all the things that I am and you're all the things that you are. And then we meet and we actually get to be here and we're not at risk. Like Beautiful. we're not, you know, like I'm because it's the most pleasurable and most wonderful thing. You know, yes. whether it's somebody that's I know or my family member or I'm meeting somebody for the first time that it gets to happen. And I think yeah. I feel that from my mom because my mom was. My mom was really good at being with me. Yes. You know, I mean, like, if I look at pictures of me and I, there's this one picture of us, she's singing and, and it's at a camp where black people and white people um, got together in the, this is in the 60s. And I think it was about 67 looking at me mm-hmm. and she's up singing everybody, huge circle. And I am just like 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 kind of looks like I'm dancing around and <laughs> like like oh, but you. that is the most <laughs> to me like that is the most important thing you know mm-hmm. like that it that's it for me I we get to be I we get that. to be I love that I think um I'm not surprised that we're very aligned in that right like you know I feel like emergent strategy for me is the most important thing but what I mean inside of that is that we get to be holy ourselves and holy in relationship to change. Like, mm. like in that, that the relationship we have to change is a holy relationship, H-O-L-Y. Like it's a sacred place that we're like, however you're going to change, however I'm going to change. That's what we're here to do is to continuously be changing and growing and be different from each other and mm-hmm. be whole. And to find the joy, the reclamation of our pleasure inside of that wholeness. Yes, yes. And I love this, you know, beginning the conversation there because it's like, this is too important. You need to know about it if you're going to fucks with me, mm-hmm. um, literally <laughs> and any other way. Right. And I really, I keep saying I'm going to write a book about love and dating, being in love and all of that. And mm. I'm thinking about it more and more all the time because this feels like the central part of it, which is 
you have to start off being yourself. Yes. You have to start off showing what matters to you, what your values are. And I think so often we're trained to do the opposite is to tuck away our real self and put forward some projected self that we think will be appealing to the person we want. And, and if they're doing the same thing, then it just takes so long before you know who you're, who's there. Yeah. <laughs> and if you know that you like each other and I always say this, but I'm like, eventually your real self will get revealed. And always. <laughs> it feels like a betrayal if you have not been honest. Yeah. So, Having yeah. some sense. I think that's my dating advice from Octavia Butler. Like, be real <laughs> as early as possible and as consistently as possible. There you go. Um, so next question is this one around, like, where is the destination? Where would you go to, mm. if you were going to leave where you are now? So can you imagine any place you could go that would truly be an escape, that would truly be an improvement to your current conditions? And if you can imagine it, why aren't you there? Mm. Right? Why aren't you there? The next question I have, how do you start to practice new modes of society inside the shell of the old? And mm. really there, I mean, how do you focus your attention? You know, the, the way that, that they are focusing their attention on learning and lovemaking yes. and resting, even though there's chaos happening around them. Um, how do you do that? How do you say, yes, the chaos is the constant, the violence is the constant, and I can acknowledge that, but I can also bring my attention to what it is I'm trying to generate and create and build. Mm-hmm. They build so many systems so really many. fast. They build, mm-hmm. they, they don't, they build so many systems that are so fast and that are absolutely necessary to what they're doing. Exactly. And so organic. So organic. So organic. Um, The last question, two questions. One is, how is the balance of the logical and the mystical in your current life's work? How is the balance of the logical and the mystical in your current life's work? So are you tilted all the way to one side, (laughs) all the way to the other? Or have you found some balance? You know, and I think this shows up with the people. It's like strategy versus woo-woo. And how do we find that place in between where we can be guided by our ancestors and know that there's a logic there and there's also a logic in the data and the numbers and all of it. Mm. That just and made, then yeah, I want to just it? uplift that because that yes. <laughs> I just had this it's not coming out until December. But I just had mm. this conversation um, for something for Alvin Ailey, and they're looking at, Ooh. I was supposed to do a project for the 60th anniversary of uh, Revelations, and they, oh, that wow. was going to happen this summer. But looking at Revelations and, um, and thinking about uh, spirituals and what are the spirituals and I'll tell y'all when this conversation happens. Um, they're not going to okay. show them. I was like, <clears throat> conversation. <clears throat> but but the the mysticism and the tangible is in the spirituals, like yes. the spirituals. Like did that's right. You know, I'm gonna add a spiritual on this onto this one um, okay, because I don't know which one. But the mystical and the tangible, like we're just talking about how much there was a, a multiple layers of belief systems happening inside of one song there there was like if you take 
a song like Steal Away and you look at Steal Away as giving you permission to literally steal yourself away. And then also simultane simultaneously telling you that you there is a place that you can go to beyond the place that you are. And that is right. that is the the mystical part. Steal away to Jesus and and the understanding that you could die and you won't yes. and that won't be the end of your being. Like that's, that's right. almost in oh, every spiritual yes. that there is. Like, exactly. So you can die and for people who saw death happened so much in so many ways and most of them I'm probably almost none of them good like none of them yes so how do you you know how do you hold the container of your being in such circumstances and what do you know about who you are and your possibilities in order to kind of wake up into that horrific day yeah every day so that Steal away, steal away home, oh, steal away, steal away home, oh, steal away, steal away home, oh, steal away, steal away home. He calls me by the thunder The trumpet sounds within my soul I got long to stay You know, I love that. I think that music has been the place where we have given instruction, given warning, and given so many gifts to each other. So Absolutely. I love that. And then I I will say I think this is a constant question for me. Like early in the emergent strategy strategy journey, we would have the gatherings and people would be like, Is this like a cult? <laughs> and I was like, No. Um, you know, uh, you know, I've studied cults. I've really looked at like what happens inside of those containers and so much of what's happening is the hoodwinking of people out of their resources for something that is not true um you know it's like we're trying to get you to believe something that is not necessarily true but it it'll, it will make you sacrifice things that belong to you and with emergent strategy what has always felt so important to me is that the mystical is rooted in the earth it's yes. rooted in what is true. It's like yes. mycelium is actually just that that shit, that that jam. Yeah. Like it's really that amazing. And you don't have to pay me anything to notice how great mushrooms are. There you and you don't have to uplift any particular leader to really um, give deep attention to the transformational process of a butterfly or any of the things, you know? So, but I'm like, there to me, science 
is the place where the logical and mystical can really meet. And we have, we have looked away from science for so many years in so many ways and not seen that science to me can be a spiritual practice. It's an act of faith and questioning and and dancing with what is. Um, So I'm in love with it. And the last little question I had here, what work are you leaving to your descendants? Mm. What work are you leaving to your descendants? Um, which I hear as, what are you trusting the next generations to hold and to do and to move Mm. and to grow and to learn? And I love this question in the book. I love that the book is basically positing this to us. It makes my shoulders drop whenever she, I'll leave that to my descendants. I'm just like, right, we're not supposed Mm. to do everything. (laughs) You know, you do what you can do in your lifetime and your generation and then next generations do more things. So, yeah. mm. Ooh. so we did it. We did another episode. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> we keep going. Um, our closing credits include these things. Octavia's Parables is hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown. We are produced by the incomparable cat, Aaron. And our show art is by um, the exquisite Krista Franklin. Yeah. And music for Octavia's Parables is Always See the Stars, performed and written by Toshi Regan. There's a New World Coming, written by Bernice Johnson Regan, with additional lyrics by Toshi Regan, performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sowers, um, Parable of the Sower, with lead vocals by Shana Small. The song Steal Away is a spiritual, arranged and performed by Toshi Regan. It is uh, unreleased at this time. However, there's a collaborative version with the uh, pianist Laura Downs on her recording some of these days. Um, That's available now. And you can find us on Twitter at OParables. You can sustain our show. And thank you so much to the people who have already become monthly supporters of this work because it really lets Toshi and I relax into like, y'all are loving this project. It is of meaningful value to you and we should keep going because <laughs> we're like, let's just do this and then we'll do the pattern series and we'll do the Lilith's Brood. You know, like, <laughs> like maybe we'll just keep going yeah, because there's so much to learn from Octavia and the, the more you know, even the dollar patrons, all of it, it matters to us. We feel that you are sharing um, from your abundance to create something for us to to do this project, this love project with. So we're so grateful to you. And if anyone else wants to join that Patreon community, it's patreon.com slash oparables. So thank you so much. So be it, see to it. So be it, see to it. Yeah. There's a new world coming. <laughs> <laughs>